these provocateurs. And yet they're all being used for agendas they know nothing about. That really is the art of the London economic system that's been at this game for many, many centuries. That's really where it was born and perfected. There was an excellent old movie made with Marlon Brando, and it was called Burn, B-U-R-N, Burn. You should see it, uh, because it shows you how the British used this technique of provocateurs and used country against country back in the 1700s. Back with more after these messages. Through the Matrix, talking about psychopolitics and geopolitics, they both work together, use the psychological uh, techniques on the ethnic groups that are there, they use their, their religions, their culture and so on, they have experts going in always to suss up the cultures before they destabilize the countries to find the best way to attack, and often it's a, a bit of everything to do with their culture, attack from like a circle almost, just nibbling away a bit at a time. The idea is to destabilize a country from within. And then the country that's backing it up financially, the destabilization, uh, offers aid, etc. The people who protest or fight think they're going to get help from the West. And often, like uh, many people have found in the past, the West lets them down because that was never the goal in the first place. The West would rather sit back and watch different sides kill off other sides. That's less to deal with when the real bosses move in. That's how it works. Very old technique. And I know that I'm listening, I'm talking to an audience that listens to a lot of alternative media. But we all realize, we all realize that Joe Average out there gets his news from mainstream. And he does not connect the dots on anything. The mainstream's job is not to do that for you. In fact, the mainstream's job is to make you think we're stumbling down through time with crisis after crisis, and the politicians just deal with it on the spot. That's nonsense. Geopolitics and psychopolitics together work in centuries. Centuries. Remember, too, it's no coincidence that in the 1800s, the Cecil Rhodes Foundation talked about bringing in a world government, a world government with it based on that of the British society, the British parliamentary system. And then they funded into existence that particular institution that became the Royal Institute for International Affairs. They funded into existence with the CFR, the League of Nations. And that League of Nations and with the founders, they mentioned it would take a hundred years to bring in a world global system where experts would rule over the people. Democracy was only a phase on the way. When you look at the writings of Brzezinski and Kissinger and all of these boys are trained in much higher levels of understanding the world's affairs than we are, they talk about the different societies that man's had in the past from, from theocracies moving up to the feudalistic societies moving up again to, to basic uh, beginnings of a higher middle class 
political democracy. And they, they see themselves, and they, then they go into Marxism as being an essential move in the right direction towards world government. That's in all the teachings in all the universities. And then, of course, out of that you get this new type of democracy, and then we go into post-democratic societies. That's all part of the geopolitical warfare that's on the planet. We've all heard for a little while about Iran, 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 and George Orwell said this in 1984. Who are we fighting today? East Asia, West Asia, Eurasia? Who? Because they kept changing their sights. The public never remember. The public never remember. They don't think through. They don't remember who fought last or why. It's out, out of their mind. And that is what the elite count on. They understand all of this. And Brzezinski himself has written an awful lot about this in the book Between Two Ages on how the public are trained to think. And how you can bring eventually a charismatic leader to the people in a post-democratic society and they'll follow them. Well, guess what you have now in the U.S.? They're following the regime. The Middle East has been under war, remember, since Gulf War I. It never ended. This is the, one of the longest-running wars we've ever had. And the public don't even know it. Gulf War I. And right down through to 2001, they were still starving the Iraqis as well into submission. With no flyover zones, they couldn't get aid in except for the stuff that the leader of the UN's son was getting in through the black market and lining his pockets with the oil for food scandal. Madeleine Albright thought it was fine that 500,000 had died, Iraqis had died, men, women and children, because of lack of food and medicine. Remember, the US destroyed all of their infrastructure. That's your ability to make food, to store water, to even get water out of the ground, everything. Even baby food factories. That's real warfare. And we're no longer through the Afghanistan conflict that supposedly was at the core of the 9-11 attacks, we were told. And the next thing you knew, it swung the American opinion around to think that Saddam Hussein was behind it, even though the president himself came on television in an inquiry and said, no, I never said that he had anything to do with it. But it didn't matter. The media helped to create the image. So they kept swinging their sights from one country to another. Now it's Iran, you see. See, this is a, a complete ongoing war for those who don't know it. And there's an excellent YouTube video I'm going to give the links to. Now you can go to my site at the end of the show. And you'll see the links for the different topics I mentioned in each show. This is a YouTube one on Brzezinski giving a talk about the Iranian revolutions that's going on right now. And he talks about it in geopolitical and, and psychopolitical terms. And he also says some amazing things. He can't help but boast being the good psychopathic. This man has made his career on subterfuge. I'll also put up the link that I've put up in previous times. It's still in the archive section. I'll put up again where you hear him back in the 70s talking to the leaders 
in Afghanistan telling them to create the holy war and that God was with them. This guy, who has no care about any God, tells them that God is with them. He wanted a holy jihad because they were fighting the Soviets at that time. You see, the CIA created the problem in Afghanistan. But within geopolitics, they'd already had figured out long before he gave that talk to the Afghanistanis how long they'd use them for, and they'd also know the problem they'd have at the end of it with this, this organized army. And they'd also know they'd have to flatten them as well. That's true geopolitics. You use a group, then you dispose of them. That's how it really, really does work. And that's what the CIA and MI6 and Mossad and all these groups do. That's what their job is, to go in through subterfuge and destabilize countries. The person who put this up on YouTube said this, and this is his, his, his words. Uh, he says, I added, he says, in the video's description, my own analysis of Brzezinski's talk in view of the broader agenda stated by both himself and NATO. Brzezinski himself states that the supposed revolution is intended to fail. And then he says, it's got in brackets, with a few useful idiots shedding their blood at it. That's not a cruel statement, that's the truth, because that's what they call the top circuits in intelligence. That's what they call the people they use, useful idiots. Who really think they're fighting for something that's good? He says, but that nonetheless it should end up producing the desired PR effect for the attainment of a synthesis. This is what he calls it. One that will allow the Iranian regime to open to the, be open to the world, that is, westernization and dialogue with NATO, while not compromising with the majority of the population who are nationalist. In other words, scamming them and using them while slowly westernizing the country and participating with NATO in the shredding of Pakistan. They put it right in your face, it says. And they do in this video. It's excellent. And you'll hear Brzezinski boast about it. And he also remembered, too, as a mentor to Obama. People have forgotten already that a year ago, or under a year ago, I think it is, I read on the air uh, articles from mainstream media, two or three different newspapers in the U.S., where President Bush at that time had given the authorization. He signed the deal to, for agents to go in and destabilize from within Iran. Do you remember that? Can any of you remember that? Maybe if you can find the link, I'll put it up again. But that was the order. And now you're seeing the effects of it now. And people will shed their bloods over their thinking, thinking they're going to bring in democracy. And here's the irony of it. You see, the countries that are funding this and putting in the provocateurs, pushing democracy, are post-democratic. We are post-democratic. We're now under authoritarian regimes. But they love to use this idea, this ideal of democracy to get other countries to destabilize and alter the systems from within. Everyone is used. Everyone is used. Why would we give them democracy when we've already changed the meaning of the word in the West? I hope people think about that over in the Middle East. And remember, too, as I say, in the higher halls of power where the Brzezinski's and the Kissingers and these boys are trained, these master chess 
phases of humanity, including Marxism, into democracy, then post-democratic. And yet they're using democracy. We are post-democratic in the West. And we're going into complete authoritarian regimes as we speak. There have been for the last few years. And it's obvious pretty well to everyone, even the ones that don't care. So this link will be up tonight, and you should have a look at it. I'll also put another one up with Brzezinski, showing you him starting helping to push the jihad in Afghanistan. Back with more after this break. Alan Watts and we're cutting through the matrix just going through some geopolitics and psychopolitics to do with the big power players they've been around longer than I've been alive these same characters the Kissingers and Brzezinski's and so on advising every single presidency since at least though the, the, the 70s early 70s maybe even before then amazing and they're still going, doing the same thing today, and playing the thing that they love to play, which is destabilizing countries and being involved in setting wars up for geopolitical strategies and, and means and reasons. And the general public are oblivious to the true aims of anything. In the 70s, in between two ages, Brzezinski said himself in his own book, he said that for what they had to do to bring in this world system. Basically, I'm paraphrasing him. He said, he said, America itself might not go along with it. They'd have to use nothing but military force and be really tough, etc. A different image from the PR that had given Americans before. He said America was too democratic. That was back in the 70s. Well, look what's happened since 2001. You see, they have the population now used to being under a sort of martial law totalitarian regime where you're just told what to do what, when to bend over to be searched or to have an injection or whatever else it happens to be do, do, do or else see we're under authoritarianism we're not democratic anymore so they can go ahead and do this, this. you think this is not connected this is completely connected what's happened since 2001 is completely connected with this statement in the book they wrote in the 70s stating that America was too democratic to use this kind of force across the world. Everyone, it's not just abroad, it's been worked on with psychopolitics. Everyone in the Western world has been under psychopolitics by the Brzezinskis of their own countries, and they all know each other. They all work towards the same end. When the League of Nations was set up, Wells said that this was the greatest thing that ever happened. This was their long-awaited goal, a world government, League of Nations, at the end of World War One, That became the United Nations. It had all the same departments it has today, departments for everything that your national government has. All the laws that come down the pike that every country signs comes from the United Nations, from plumbing codes to electrical codes to septic codes to all other kinds of codes, how to treat your children, 
the rights of the child, all this kind of stuff, that all comes to the United Nations. And well said it with the League of Nations who said, now we can have elected or, or we, can, we can have really appointed politicians that would represent each country bypassing congresses and parliaments and going straight to the League of Nations or the United Nations. Therefore, it all worked together and bypassed all governments. That was his intended goal. And this was clarified with the writings of Hoover and various other ones who were involved in setting up of the United Nations. Lots of books were written at that time, during World War II, towards the end, and right after it, about the, the purpose of the United Nations and how they'd have to go through conflict after conflict to bring in this new kind of world society. The conflicts took all kinds, all kinds of tactics. That's tactics on your mind, education. That's what UNICEF was set up. I a standard education, a Plato's cave that everyone belonged to across the whole world and raised generations all getting the same education, media, news, and so on. That's all you'd ever know. But at other goals as well, and one of them was to come out as with the World Bank. We've already heard that the World Bank eventually is to dish out the cash for every country across the planet as we go through this supposed sudden unforeseen crisis of bank collapses. This nonsense. This is all part of the agenda, obviously. And this is from this article here is from Accuracy and Media. This is to do with the coming global taxation. United Nations to emerge as global IRS, June the 12th, 2009. If implemented, the document would officially mark the end of the United States as the world's leading economic power. While our media sleep, the United Nations is proceeding with President Obama's acquiescence to implement a global plan to create a new international socialist order financed by global taxes on the American people, and it's on the whole world, actually the Western world. The conference on the world financial and economic crisis and its impact on development that begins on Wednesday will consider adoption of a document calling for new voluntary and innovative sources, innovative sources of financing initiatives to provide additional stable sources of, of development finance development finance, they're talking about their own departments of economic development across the world under the auspices of the United Nations. It says, this is United Nations speak for global taxes. Now, they're already going to get the biggest chunk of the carbon taxes. They, they dreamed it up, in fact, the carbon taxes, United Nations. They're anything but voluntary for the people forced to pay them, it says. The most popular proposals, which could generate tens of billions of dollars in revenue for global purposes, involve taxes on greenhouse gas emissions and financial transactions such as stock trades. And I'll be back with more on this article and related articles after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. This is Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix, reading an article from Accuracy and Media. 
about the UN, uh, which is really having a meeting right now, as we speak, a three-day meeting about really global taxes and fleecing the public in the Western countries for more money for their UN scams abroad. It says here, the conference was postponed from June the 1st to the 3rd. It will now take place June 24th to the 26th at the UN in New York. While the outcome document has been watered down somewhat from the previous version, it still reaffirms attainment of the UN's Millennium Development Goals. You should have a good look at that. Which would require the payment of $845 billion from U.S. taxpayers. A commitment to the MDG was a stated objective of the Global, Global Poverty Act, which Barack Obama had introduced as a U.S. senator. It requires the U.S. to devote 0.7% of gross national income to foreign aid. Now, as President Obama can bypass the Congress and simply direct his ambassador to the U.N., Susan Rice, to approve the U.N. conference document. Then the pressure will be increased on Congress to come up with the money and satisfy our international commitments. Um, I'll put this up on my site, this link, but also, as I say, there's, there's um, other ones here. Uh, there's the United Nations website itself. Uh, I'll put that link up too, where you can read it in bureaucraties and e economic at ease. The UN conference at the highest level in the world financial economic crisis and its impact on development, etc., etc. Uh, so that's from the UN site itself. It's harder to make through what they're actually saying here, but you'll get the gist of it. You get the gist of it. It's a worldwide thing. So all, all the so-called developed worlds or, or countries are now going to pay really through the nose for everything, because you see, we're, it's a world socialist system now. It's not just over here or over there. It's a world socialist system. And we must pay for everyone else across the planet, supposedly. And mind you, it doesn't get there to them because most money ends up going to, well, abortion clinics and things like that. You know, that's really what they're after in the third world. I've read the article where they've said from the United Nations too, they could not allow the third world to emerge into consumer societies like the United States. And they could not allow, under the Kissinger plan from the 70s, the third world to keep reproducing. They want to bring the populations down. And they've been at it for all that time, through the foundations and the non-governmental organizations that work with the United Nations. dealing with people at the top, as I say, who are master strategists who have always worked for a, a world system, and they don't see, it doesn't matter what country these people actually preside over or live in, they don't, do not see themselves as belonging to any country. Their goal is a world society which they dominate. And not just a society where we can go on as usual, but a society where we'll be guided from birth to death. That's if, well, if they allow us to be born, that is. If they need us for the economy and we're born, we'll be guided all through our lives as to what we must do with ourselves. And that's only part of the strategy. As they go through cloning and cloning better slaves, etc., this is all part of it. Monsters run the world. People who plan wars, as I say, look at these videos with Brzezinski, watch them, 
as he talks and tells the, the gets a jihad going in Afghanistan. Watch this man and listen to him. Master chess player who sees the ends, the end piece being played, the last piece, before he starts the first one. And all those little squares there and pawns and so on, those are countries and people. And they sleep very well, the guys like Brzezinski, they sleep without sleeping pills. They have no conscience. And you'll hear him boast about his participation too, when they helped to destabilize Poland or the Soviet system. He takes a lot of credit in that video for doing so. He says his own involvement. He was up to his ears in it, he said, helping to guide it. And he also said to manipulate it. Well, he's a master manipulator. All psychopaths are. You'll hear him say this. They can't help both because they have tremendous egos, you see. All psychopaths do. And these guys are the guys who sit in the think tanks across the planet that guide your military forces and your governments. There's an article here about, uh, I think it's a movie coming out, this is The Genocide Written Hushed Up, a new film tells the terrible story of Stalin's own final solution and Churchill's shameful complicity. Well, they missed out FDR because he was part of the, 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 the agreement as well, the Yalta agreement. It goes through how, the, how so many people were killed and slaughtered within the Soviet Union throughout World War II and afterwards as well. Tobik Katyn, for instance, and what happened in Poland where the Russians uh, slaughtered over 4,000 Polish prisoners of war, mainly the officer class to get rid of them. Again, very practical from their point of view. But if you've gone in this thing to, to mention, as I say, that the British and American, not so much the American, but America was right up to it because we supplied the Soviet during World War II with everything that we needed, including the aircraft and money and armaments I'll put this link up as well you can have a, a peruse for yourself it's interesting that that came out after of course the, the Soviet story came out the actual documentary on it it be interesting to see if they follow it and keep pretty close to the first one off they spin it off and it's interesting as I say to to look at the schedule for, for bringing the populations down, there are many ways to bring it down. You either slaughter them like the Soviets did, just by mass, or the Nazis did, or use other, other strategies. Create a system that's very promiscuous. Use the technique that um, Lord Bertrand Russell promoted, that was to encourage youngsters who are pre-pubertal to engage in sex. He said they'd never stay with a partner from then on. Maybe you made marriage, but that to destroy the family. But of course, the fallout would come as well. Well, how do you deal with it? You have abortions. What do they do? They keep the population down. Then it becomes almost custom, customary. This is from uh, a British newspaper. It says here, Britain to advertise abortion to youngsters by the clinics. It says Britain, the country with the highest teenage pregnancy rate in Europe, comes their proposal to advertise abortion providers on television before 9 p.m. In other words, they're targeting the young, you see. Will the British government ever get it? Like Carolyn Monaghan. It says, from the country that brought you the highest teenage pregnancy rates in 
Europe's television ads for condoms and abortion. It says the more harm reduction they go in for, the worse the problem gets what's intended to. June the 19th saw the end of a three-month consultation by the government's broadcasting standards watchdog, the BCAP, on a proposal to allow abortion clinics to advertise on television before 9pm. The clinics are advertising. I wonder how they'll sell that with smiling faces. Condom ads currently are confined to one channel, would also be shown in the earlier time slot. By the way, they're giving out condoms to 12-year-old boys now with little credit card things to go along with them. This is, this is Britain. But I'll put this, this article up on my site too. You can, you can look at it. And I had another article here. It kind of ties in, in a because I try and tie things together to, to show you how continuous everything really is. It's from the newsobserver.com. North Carolina remembering victims of sterilization program. 22nd of June. This is Raleigh, North Carolina. North Carolina recalled a regrettable side of its story on Monday by unveiling a roadside marker, marker remembering poor people, mental patients, and prisoners who were sterilized against their will by state officials. And I'll interject here to mention another thing. When you look at the manual for, for mental illnesses, it's growing by a leaps and bounds every year. They say now, oh, one in six of you has attention deficit disorder. If you've got a problem with math, you have a mathematical disorder, and so on. So when you, when you read stuff like mental patients, etc., that's all part of it now. That could include you, many of you out there. Think about that. Sterilized by the, against the world by state officials. You know, that was a Rockefeller program and the Cold Spring Harbor one. The cast aluminum sign in downtown Raleigh provides a permanent remembrance of the program intended to keep thousands of people considered mentally disabled or otherwise genetically inferior, genetically inferior huh, from having children. This does represent one of the ugly chapters in North Carolina's history, said the Reverend Will Barber, president of the state chapter of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. We have to deal with our past in order to have a better present and a stronger future. More than 7,600 people were sterilized by choice or coercion. This is one state in the U.S. Under the state's so-called eugenics program between 1933 and 1973, according to the market's text, the maker the marker's text, North Carolina was one of more than two dozen states that ran such programs after social reformers, reformers that was the big foundations like Rockefeller leading the charge and Carnegie and so on. The same Rockefeller that funds abortion across the planet today through the world's government, the United Nations. And says so, I'll even put links up on my site in the archives of him giving talks today about the need to drastically reduce the populations in all these countries. Still gone. Social reformers began advocating for the approach a century ago. That's how long they've been at it. You did against God's will because God's will was for us to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth in his image. Sterilization victim Elaine Riddick, 55, of Dallas, Georgia, said during a ceremony before the sign was revealed, that's why he gave us such a big world. But you wouldn't know that if you listened to the media. Oh my God, we're just overrun with people. Utter nonsense. Psychopolitics. 
about a third of the North Carolina victims still are alive, including some invited to attend the late afternoon ceremony about a block from where the state board that reviewed potential patient cases met. The program targeted the poor. That was unemployed at the time, you know, especially after the Depression. There was lots of them. And people living in prisons and state institutions, among others, lots were not in institutions at all. While officials obtained written consent from patients or their guardians, many didn't know what they were signing and were essentially coerced, state historians said. Riddick, for example, was a rape victim who was sterilized soon after delivering a baby at age 14. She said she couldn't have given consent because she was too young. The State Eugenics Commission was abolished in 1977, yet it's called other terms now. And you have to look at the World Population Council at the United Nations to find the big one. This is after the legislature was transferring responsibility of the mentally ill to the court system. But mind you, the governors and so on are apologizing for it. They're apologizing. That, that's very nice of them. Power played like suckers. The same agenda by the same group. The world globalists have been, has been on the go for such a long time. And Joe and Jane Average out there haven't got a clue what's even happening by the day. But if you ask them what the main trivia was on the news, they'll talk all day about it. Psycho politics. Psycho. Brzezinski also said in Between Two Ages that the public would be get, get gotten to a stage through media and entertainment that they really would not live in a reality whatsoever. And therefore they could put forth people with charismatic personalities to guide them. What are you seeing today? Whenever these guys write or speak, you can take it to the real bank, the one, only one that will ever stand forever. Because they mean it. They tell you. When you listen to them, they're telling you truth. Here's a plan. Nothing's going to change it. And you'll live to see it happen. I've seen many parts of this plan happen in my own lifetime. And I've listened to them before and read their stuff before they happened. And take it to the bank. Now we'll go to the callers now. And there's Andrea from New York. Are you there, Andrea? Hi, Alan. Yes. Hi. Um, I called a few weeks ago about a building in New York City. Um, Red Square, yeah. Yes. And there was a sign on the building that uh, uh, said Einstein. Yeah. And there was an, another one that said POFA. I was wondering if you could tell me something about him. I'm not so sure about the last one, but, uh, which Hofa he was on about. But um, I noticed in all that imagery, there was a lot of evolutionary um, symbology there. Through, what do you mean? Two different uh, creatures and fish and so on, which is all oh. part of the the evolutionary theories of uh, where we're supposed to have come from, according to the scientists. And of course, they go in through, as I said before, communism is supposed to be, as taught in political doctrine today, that communism is almost an essential part of transformation through the systems to the new type of democracy, which in reality is post-democratic, is regarded literally as a science. And each part of it, including communism, is part of that particular science. In fact, Brzezinski, uh, again in, in, in Between Two Ages, talks about the necessity of a Sovietized system for a, cert a certain period of time. And he actually glorifies 
Stalin's role in it for, for that period of time, the mass murder of Stalin. But when you look at, say, uh, Einstein, for instance, I've never fallen for Einstein's uh, propaganda. That he's so typical of the ones that suddenly they pull out of nowhere a sudden genius, just like uh, the same thing with Charles Darwin and many others that belong to the Royal Society at the highest Masonic scientific group on the planet. Did Einstein? And, yeah. And Einstein literally was diagnosed at school. He was classed as an idiot in his school, if you read the biographies on him. Um, his teachers all said the guy couldn't learn anything. They were stunned when he suddenly, you know, years later, he became a famous scientist. But his parents were, were well-connected in Switzerland. And they got him a job in the patent office. And the reward, if you work enough, see, patent offices aren't there to protect people's patents. Patent offices are set up to steal people's patents for their masters. And because of the good job he did, they made him a famous scientist. C.P. Snow and other people who wrote books on him and interviewed Einstein many times said he never talked about science to people. He always talked really? politics, but it wasn't just politics. He, it was a globalized system he talked about that was to come. He referred to it himself in C.P. Snow's books uh, as, as Zionism, the real meaning of Zionism, nothing to do with Israel. And so at the high Masonic tradition, of course, they do call it Zionism. But hold on, and I'll come back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix talking to Andrea from New York about the Red Square building down there. It's quite a fascinating place, the photographs I've seen it so far anyway. But uh, yeah. yeah, they have Einstein's name on the, on the roof. And, and, and you don't know who POFA was, P-O-P-H-A? I haven't had time to go into that part of it yet. Uh -huh. But um, I'm sure it be related to the same, uh, the same global type agenda. See, Einstein believed that, again, experts and scientists should rule the world in a post-democratic society. He also believed that nationalism had to go. He used um, the whole doctrine of the atom bomb to terrify the public, and he came out with his famous statements, in the next war we fought with sticks and stones after the atomic war. This is all to terrify the people of the world under the United Nations auspices, to, to give up their sovereignty. But Einstein himself, as I say, did not invent the atom bomb. Uh, it was invented by a What about the theory of uh, rel relativity? I mean, um, yeah, well, even these theories, um, you can understand that they've done this before, even with Charles Darwin. Uh, Charles Darwin did not uh, come up with the origin of species. His grandfather published a book very similar to that before him. It was in the family, and most of the stuff... If you look into the, the history books, especially the stuff that's taught today under freedom of information when they disclose stuff a hundred odd years later, um, they admit that Wallace was the guy that supplied most of the information that Charles Darwin used in his, his supposed book, The Origin of Species. And it was the Royal Society of London, this high institution authorized by the Crown, that chose Darwin to be the front man to, to push evolution. It was the same thing with, with uh, as I say, with... Um, that this other uh, present guy, uh, they always give you a leader 
and they give them roles to play. And to say Einstein's role was primarily political. He, c- he couldn't say much at all about science without a few notes in front of him in any speech. And uh, do you think the same thing is more or less true with Tesla? I'm pretty sure. The guy, Tesla did not, uh, when you look at what he supposedly invented, he had to first invent different components to get the the main invention working. You couldn't do that uh, when you understand how components work in electronics without having an understanding of what you'd have to do in the first place. See, science can only progress from, from something that's already discovered. Then you discover, you say, what can we do with this now? Then you try different things, and someone somewhere will come up with some good use for it. Yet we're told that Tesla just happened to know how to make tra- uh, forms of, of uh, capacitors and this and that and the other, things that they hadn't done up until then. And, and he just did it all by himself, by intuition. That's impossible. The, the guy was trained somewhere by... See, sciences are very, very old. What the public are given at this level and at school and university is a lower order of science. We are literally living in the past, in a sense, when it comes to medicine, physics, and, and biology, and chemistry. We're, that's the lowest order. They have two orders above that. Mm-hmm. The higher orders get weaponry, and the higher echelons, even above CIA, the secret services, and the ones at the very top have the real stuff that really, really work. And, and literally, that they're years ahead of anything that the public are ever told about. So, just one more question about yeah. Red Square. Did you notice the uh, trapezoids? Yes, I did. I did too. And the situation, even the way it faces south, that's because the sun, of course, is highest at noon in, in the south. You see, that's why it's really in the south, not because this revolution started there. And the Grand Master always sits in the east, where the sun rises. Okay. That's highly, highly Masonic. That's what it is. All right. But thanks for calling in. Yeah, we don't really have time to go into that too much tonight. But for Dave in uh, Arizona, Dave in New York, and Kyle in Connecticut, uh, phone in again tomorrow. And from Hamish myself and to your Canada, it's good night to me. Your God, your God's go with you.